You are Locked On Royals, your daily Kansas City Royals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Royals podcast. I am here with Chris Castanelli. And Chris, what's going on, man? How excited are you for baseball? I'm extremely excited for baseball. I'm extremely excited for baseball. I'm extremely excited for the fact that we're going to have a legitimate 162 start in April and in in early November season. You know, last year, all of us were, uh, you know, and everybody was, but us on the Lockdown Network, we're in a, a weird spot. Uh, we will not be spending three months talking about COVID, talking about the labor negotiations. I'm ready to play ball, dude. Yeah, we'll be doing the labor negotiation talk in December. Instead right, of, yeah, uh, I know. We, we're, 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 yeah, we, we, we bought ourselves a Band-Aid for time, but it's gonna, it'll be a, a good Band-Aid nonetheless. Well, the, the first question I have for you is that, are your Michigan Wolverines going to be playing right before opening day? Are they going to survive on Sunday against Florida State? <sighs> um, look, I, I've, I'm going to believe in them until I don't. And with the year that they have had and the absolutely otherworldly job that Juwan Howard has done this season, bringing in talent and developing that talent, even with the Isaiah Livers injury, um, there's a moxie to this team that I, I believe in. And at some point that injury will catch up to him. You don't lose a, a uh, you know, 40% three point shooter and a 90% free throw shooter and not miss a beat. Uh, at some point, it'll catch up to them. But right now, I'm just enjoying the ride. It's been a, a whole lot of fun. And these last 13 months, you've had so many cancellations and you know, so seasons that were cut short. This team has been such a such a joy to watch this year. It's a, a slight return to normalcy. It's been a lot of fun. And it'll be fun for us. I mean, I, last year was tough for everybody. I mean, just it, it goes without saying. But, but I think it does kind of, especially for you and I, I don't know about you, I don't, I don't want to speak for you, but for me, just – all that went on last year, just personally, you know, with the pandemic and then with the sports world and then covering two losing teams. Like, what am I going to say about this team that's out of it in the first week of the season? It's a 60 game season. It was tough. And I think that now this return to normalcy, even if the teams, you know, the Tigers and Rose respectively do not win or go to the playoffs, there's at least milestones to look forward to. Which of our guys can be in the all-star game? Who's going to get called up pretty soon? Who's doing well in the minor leagues? It adds another level of excitement for content to where I think that this will be a much more enjoyable experience for both of our second years here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Man, I sure hope so. I, I mean, things are things are heating up. You know, there, there are, uh, I'll, I'll say right away, I mean, this Tigers team, while I'm not super high on them, is far and away a more intriguing team than they've been probably, you know, since the Dombrowski era because of the new coaching staff, because of the new manager, and because of the, the top prospects that we're hopefully going to be seeing here pretty soon. So the, the first thing is kind of a big picture thing, not necessarily this year, but do you think that these two teams, the Royals and Tigers, will be connected in their rebuilds and be compared to each other to see who has the better rebuild. Cause I think that we're starting to get on the same trajectory here and who's going to make the first move. I think that Kansas city's made that first initial move to try to get good, but who's going to break through first and who's going to be more sustainable. Even if the tigers are playing the long game here, what if they turn out to be the more sustainable group? Do you think that these two will always be compared to each other for, for years to come? I mean, I think that's a, that's a good way to put it is that their rebuild started, I guess, 
you, you went for it a little bit in 2017 and then hit the reset button. The Tigers probably hit the reset button the midway point of the 2017 season. And you look at where these rebuilds are right now. I mean, you have two teams with really good farm systems, two teams that have primarily built through the draft. Uh, I think that's a good, that's a good comparison. And I think I've probably always, whether fair or not, compared the Tigers to the White Sox rebuild. Cause I felt like with the, what the White Sox did trading away their top tier talent when their stock was high and getting back an entire farm systems worth of prospects. But yeah, you look at the Royals, a team that had their heyday there in the mid 2010s and is now, you know, trying to come out of it. The difference is, and it's it's why I've, I've, I've spoken the Royals' praises on, the, on this podcast in terms of the offseason that they've had. When we look at what the Royals are doing, I see a plan. You know, you alluded to it, a, a five-year plan where, okay, we're going to do this, and then we're going to make these moves, and we're going we're gonna, to uh, sprinkle in a few extensions to lock up this core. I think the Tigers' rebuild has been a bit more chaotic I think there's been a, a little bit too much. Let's throw this at the wall and see what sticks. I also think they held on to several guys for way too long or for not enough or, or for not long enough. So it's, it's, it's a mixed bag, but I think it's, it's more than fair to say that you know, one of these teams at some point will probably outlast the other in terms of, you know, where they're headed uh, regarding the, their, the trajectory of, of their respective organization. What is your feeling on AJ Hinch? Because before all the cheating scandals, I, often call him one of the best managers in baseball. I thought he was a brilliant mind. He managed the game very well. And I don't think that the stealing signs changes the way that he managed the games that I really respected and the philosophies he had in Houston. Where are you at with AJ Hinch right now going into this first season? Uh, I love the hire. And, and I look, we could argue with people until we're blue in the face talking about that the suspension, whether he deserved more. The fact is he served the, the suspension was there and he served it. And, the, the thing that I've said is when you've had a team that has been as bad as the Tigers have been, and they have had some putrid stretches in the past, but the last four years of Tigers baseball rank up there in terms of the worst that we've seen from this organization, historical ineptitude. I don't know, and I'll have to check. I should do my research, but I don't know if they've ever had four consecutive top five picks, including two number one overall picks. It's been It's been rough for sure. And you get a guy who is, analytically minded you get a guy who is smart who so many people have spoken their praises regarding his ability to communicate and really uh, I love the higher when it happened and the the deeper it's gone the I continue to like it even more and Ron Garden hire was a bridge guy he was there to to you know keep things in line until they moved on to the next guy and for what he was asked to do at worst, I give him an incomplete grade, you know, like he was, he was whatever he was, he was there to serve a job. And that job was not necessarily winning baseball games. But when you listen to how AJ Hinch talks about the game and talks about his players in the post-game zoom conferences that they've been doing in spring training, it really is night and day, just in terms of how he views the sport of baseball. It's very new age, very analytically minded. I, I, I was a huge fan of the hire. I, I thought, and I was, I was stunned personally. And I've said that from the beginning, because one of the big issues I've had with the front office here has been their indecisiveness. And you have a guy in Al Avila, the GM for the Tigers, who calls AJ Hinch 30 minutes after the world series ended to try to get him to, to come to Detroit and interview. That's the kind of initiative that I've, I've been wanting to see out of the front office that they haven't necessarily shown. So no, I'm, I'm completely all in on the hire. And of course, look, you got to supplement the, the hire with a good roster, but I think symbolically 
what it means to the fan base is that you don't go out and get a guy like AJ Hinch. You don't go out and get a world series winning manager unless you had some, some plan or some hope that at some point in the future, you're going to be spending and bringing in guys who, who can hopefully turn this, uh, this thing around. I want to tell you about your friends over at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family-owned business serving you auto parts online for 20 years. That's right, 20 years ago. You could have been buying auto parts online at rockauto.com all while you had dial-up internet, and it was just a disaster of a time on the World Wide Web 20 years ago. You could have been going to rockauto.com and finding all the parts your car will ever need. My favorite part about rockauto.com is that I know nothing about cars. Nothing. I don't have to know anything about cars though, because they have such a beautiful website that allows me to put my make, my model, my year into their database, and they're only going to show me car parts that are compatible with my vehicle. That way, I'm not wasting parts on things I don't need and parts I cannot use. It's only what I need, only what I can use, and they do not upcharge you. They're a beautiful website, rockauto.com. Tell them Lockdown sent you. And the how did you hear about us box? And don't know what to do from there. They have an amazing selection. They have a lot low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Again, go to their website. It's a beautiful thing. Tell them that Lockdown sent you. And the how did you hear about a Spox? And they'll know what to do from there. RockAuto.com, amazing selection. Relatively low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com, Lockdown sent you. And the how did you hear about a Spox? And you mentioned those Zoom press conferences. Has, has the science thing scandal even brought up at all? Because I feel like it's kind of just over with now. Like, I, I don't... Now, granted, I, I am not following the Tigers' spring training all that closely, but I feel like it's kind of just over and done with. Maybe, maybe the first day there were some questions about it, but I feel like everyone's kind of moved past it. Like it, it will be brought up the deeper we go into the regular season when when they play the Yankees in Yankee Stadium, it'll be brought up. Uh, when he goes back to Houston, I'm sure it might be brought up. But in general, any person who thought that there was going to be this huge media circus regarding the hire. Uh, look, the fact is, in the last year, so much has happened, not just in baseball, but in the world, that uh, the, the the trash can banging stuff. And I'm not, of course, it was very serious. Now, I don't think the punishment was severe enough, but I, people, we move on so fast in, in, in today's climate. And, and I think it Hinge, I think he's done probably a lot of media training, and he did a good job of kind of uh, putting the kibosh on it pretty quickly. When he was asked right away, he was just straight up asked, you know, how are you going to handle yourself with this? And he said, look, I'm aware of the fact that this is part of my journey. This is part of my story. I made mistakes. I apologize for those mistakes. I missed a year. I was away from the sport I love for a year because I made those mistakes. But those are my stories. Those are not the stories of the Tigers. And I think it speaks to his ability to communicate because right away, everyone was like, okay, we can, we can, we're fine with this. And the media in Detroit was never particularly vicious regarding that scandal, you know, in, other cities, obviously, like in New York or in Los Angeles, where the Dodgers lost that World Series, people were were a bit more harsh. But here, what, like I said, when you've had a team that's been that's struggled as much as the Tigers have, you just want to get the best personnel available. And I think, in general, more and more people are becoming receptive to that hire, and I, I, I'm I'm glad because I think they made the right move. So you mentioned that you're not all that in on this Tigers team. What what is the expectation for the Tigers this year? Like what? Do they need to check what, what boxes need to be checked this year in the 162? Well, it comes down to the prospects. You need to see that there's the three-headed monster pitchers that I always talk about, Casey Mize, Matt Manning, Tarek Skubal. you got to see those guys develop. You have, uh, I mean, still highly touted prospects, but lower-level guys like Isaac Paredes, the, the third baseman or infielder, Willie Castro, who had a nice little year last year and has had a very good spring training. You want to see those guys develop. I mean, you want to see those guys develop the way that – 
uh, Brady Singer did for the Royals last year. You want to see these guys step up to come into their own. If the, the rebuild hinges on the, on the success of all these players. And if they're not successful, then, you know, what are we doing? Really? I, I think in the, the reason why I'm not super high on, I'm not the prospects themselves who I believe in, despite this organization's, you know, lack of ability sometimes often to develop talent, but those were different eras and different administrations. I'm not going to put the failures of the Dombrowski era or the Randy Smith era on Alavila. I think that's unfair, but I think the fan base collectively was pretty darn disappointed with this off season. And, and that's, that's the biggest question. And that will be the biggest question going forward because like the, the prime example, let's look at what you guys did with the Royals, right? In 2014, 2015, you had that core with Kane and Hosmer and Gordon and Moustakis and Ventura and Perez. But you guys went out and you spent some money on Volquez and Kendrys Morales and you made the trades for Wade Davis. And you, you were, it's, it wasn't a team with a super high payroll, but you spent enough money to be able to, to surround the core that you had with really good talent that helped bring you guys a world championship. The reality is if every single one of these guys pans out, which they won't, I mean, we've already seen a lot of struggles. Casey Mize has not looked good in spring so far. Spencer Torkelson did not have a good spring, though the, I don't think we were going to see him this year in Detroit anyway. But even if all these guys pan out, it's going to come down to ownership and management to spend money. I mean, to, to surround them with that top-tier talent. I think in general, everyone believed that this – off season was going to be a perfect opportunity for them to maybe go out and grab a Kyle Schwarber or an Eddie Rosario or a David Dahl, you know, maybe not make a sign uh, Bauer or, or Springer to a six-year deal. Maybe that doesn't fit the current state of the rebuild, but to do something that showed, all right, we're in this, we're ready, we're starting to build. And it was the same like four or five out of 10 signings that people that we've seen over the last several seasons, not to say they're bad players, but just underwhelming signings for a team that, probably if we're going back to your, to your question, which was the expectations is probably going to be another 90 loss team. So you think that this team is kind of a fifth place ball club in this division? I, I would say so. I am under the impression that Cleveland is going to regress a lot. Now I still think they'll probably be better than Detroit, at least in the first half. But I think that despite their talent, they do still have talent. I think there's something about a, there's a morale problem potentially there because you've had the stuff that's come out with Francona and Callaway, which is, you know, some of it in the past, some of it, you know, not, not so distant past, but I think there's a, a psychological element to what happens when you trade away so many guys and you lose so many guys in free agency. Now that they still have Bieber and they still have really good pitching. I just, I do think they'll regress. Yeah. I think, We'll see what it, a lot of it does depend on the record, but if they stay out of last place, I'll be like, okay, th that, that could have been worse. With that said, this is year five really of the rebuild or year four and a half, whatever you want to call it. And the fact that we're still saying, all right, stay out of last place shows that they've kind of, they've kind of fumbled the ball in several different instances and in, in terms of trades and, and signing. So whenever you look at the Royals roster, what, what kind of team do you see on paper? A 90 loss team, you know, a 70 win team. Where are you at with this Royals team on just from an outsider's perspective, your outlook for Kansas City as a, as a neutral party? Well, I, I like the offseason they had. I like the offseason a lot. I thought they were very active. I thought they were smart. I thought those were sharp moves that they made. You get guys, look, maybe Andrew Benintendi is just going to be one of those players who never turns out to be 
uh, what they thought he'd be. Okay, fine. So you get him, you have him for one year and then he goes off. That, that's fine. That's, that's whatever. It'll be a free agent soon. No problem with that deal. Like the minor deal. Really like the Carlos Santana deal. I, I know last year the average was bad, but I think in terms of the batted ball data, it was serviceable and the guy gets on base all the time. I mean, he had an under 200 average and, and I think led the American league in walks a season ago. He's still an on-base machine. I, I'm I'm more high on them than, than some other people are. I like their lineup and Solaire w- is still kind of in limbo. We don't know which Jorge Soler is going to show up, but Whit Merrifield to me is maybe the most underrated player in baseball. I like Mondesi. I like Dozier. You still have Perez who last year seemed to all of a sudden have a career year, small sample size, but that, that year helped him earn an extension. Their, their question marks lie in the depth of their rotation and bullpen. Brad Keller, I think has come along. Uh, I, I have sang Brady Singer's praises on many instances. I, I, I really like watching him pitch. And I think, I don't know how high his ceiling is, but I think he's going to be a very, very good pitcher for the Royals going forward. After that, you know, Duffy is still so-so when you have some question marks. And this is, the bullpen was a little bit shaky last year. But the, the one response I have to that is going forward, starting pitching is always available. And you, you can find it. It's why... The, the Tigers, the basis of the Tigers rebuild, I've always viewed as a little bit bass backwards because I, I think that if you build it around starting pitching, the possibility of guys getting injured or blowing out their arms becomes pretty high. Obviously, you don't want that to happen. I like the fact the Royals have loaded up on position players. And yeah, you have a Keller or a, or a Singer, two guys that you know can be solid pieces, solid parts of your rotation going forward. And you can find starting pitching and relief pitching in, in the free agent market. So yeah, I mean, I... I'd probably put them somewhere in that third or fourth mark in the division. But keep in mind, I think the first two teams are just head and shoulders above everybody else, not just in the AL Central, but arguably in the American League. I think the White Sox might be the favorite to win win the pennant. And the Twins are always a pain in the butt with a with a remarkable offense. So I, I, I like the steps forward that they have taken over the last few years to kind of build with the core that they have. Yeah, that's the same thing for me. I'm all out on Cleveland. I, I do not believe in Cleveland whatsoever. And I've talked about the same thing about the clubhouse. I think that in baseball, more so than most sports, the clubhouse matters and the and yeah. the morale matters. And that kind of intangible, you know, intangible chemistry aspect of it matters. Those 14, 15 rows had amazing chemistry. They were incredible. They were a team that was bonded together forever. And then it, I think, helped them make all those comebacks. Every yeah. phase of that team, they should have lost in the wild card game against Oakland. Just the odds say that should have been a loss. They should have lost against Houston the next year in the divisional series. They should have lost against Toronto in the championship series. And then in a five-game series win over the Mets, Game one, you had an amazing, heroic Alex Gordon home run. Game five, you had a mad dash home from Eric Hosmer, who is by no means a speedster. And if Lucas Duda can make a simple throw, he's out by a mile. That just magical stuff, while it is kind of fluky in nature, I think is propelled by how united a team is on the same page as team is. And how can you be that way in Cleveland with the off-field stuff, breaking COVID protocols already? And it's even a looser protocol than it was last year, and you're already breaking them in spring training? You're, you're, you mentioned the Francona thing. It just seems like a lot to handle in Cleveland. And I could see them very well selling off at the deadline to where they were kind of regressed to that fourth place finish. And I think that much like Detroit, it's not so the, it's not so the finish for Kansas city. I think that they can be a third place team. I'm going to predict them to be a third place team, but if they're a fourth place team, but they have a really good record and they, in, in every game they were competitive and in every game and every day, you cannot wait to watch the Royals play baseball. 
if they accomplish that, then to me, it's a success. If you have everyone's attention while the Chiefs start training camp, while the Chiefs are playing in the preseason, if you still have our attention in Kansas City for Royals baseball, you've done your job for this specific year. Just give an entertaining summer where we're watching these guys grow and watching these guys perform at a higher level than we have seen in recent history. And, and don't give us just five months of crap, which is what has been the norm recently. Mm-hmm. I think that that's going to be a big deal. And then if you want to make the case for a playoff run, the Royals have had very good success against Minnesota. So if you can get, if you can steal games against Minnesota and you can beat up on Detroit and beat up on Cleveland, and then the, I don't think that the NL Central is very good. That's your cross division matchup. You beat up on the NL Central. Then you're climbing up in a razor thin AL where I think that everyone's kind of clumped together across the league. You're creeping up to that second wildcard spot. I think that that's the very tippy top ceiling. The very bottom of the floor is a, is a fourth place finish. And the truth's often in the middle. You're going to finish like third and be very competitive and very fun. I now want to tell you about good friends over at betonline.ag. Betonline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all the sport action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. Betonline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Betonline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportbook experts, promo code locked on to get that 50% welcome bonus. And it's almost baseball season. They're going to have every single game spread, all that fun stuff. But before we get to the season on Thursday, place your bets for the division winners, World Series picks, award winners, over-unders. Hammer that Royals over. It'll be a fun summer. Check it out. BetOnline.ag, promo code locked on, and you'll receive that 50% welcome bonus from our good friends over at BetOnline.ag. Try them out today. I use it all the time, and I'll use it even more in the baseball season. BetOnline.ag, promo code locked on to get that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Try it out today. BetOnline.ag, promo code locked on, 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. I also want to tell you about our good friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is a phenomenal protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15, 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Go to at bar underscore built or BuiltBar.com to vote on the Built Bar Madness, trying to crown the very best tasting protein bar from Built Bar, which is the best protein bar in general. They're all low calorie, all low sugar, all high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on the outside of every single bar. Try them out today. Today's matchup is between mint brownie and coconut puff. I have to go mint brownie here. They taste incredible. I like them better than the puffs. I'm going to go with mint brownie, but crown your favorite at builtbar.com or at bar underscore built on Twitter. Check them out today and use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. No, I'm, I'm with you completely. And, and going back to Cleveland here, they're, we, I think what we're going to see from them this year is similar, and I remember this year with the Tigers, 2015, where they had a team that was objectively very talented, and they got off to a hot start, but it was, I think, two years after they traded Prince Fielder and three years removed from going to the World Series. And I think it gets to a point, Miguel Cabrera has sort of alluded to this, but not really, that there comes a point where you look around the clubhouse and all your buddies aren't there anymore. The Torrey Hunters, the Prince Fielders, the guys that, you were you were friends with in the heart of a lineup. Victor Martinez was near, you know, kind of near the end of his his tenure. And I think it became a clubhouse that just wasn't as together as it used to be. And I think we're gonna see that 
uh, in, in Cleveland. And I, I, I totally get what you're saying about like, just don't give us five months of crap. Like I, I'm just, I'm at a point now where look, if in August you're hell July, you're five games out of a wild card spot. Hey, just keep me interested. And so I, I get exactly what you're saying there, man. So what is the timeline you think of Detroit? Is there a timeline yet in Detroit? Because for Kansas city, They've been gearing up for years about 2022. That's when these young pitchers will be here. That's when the young pitchers are going to be ready. That's when Bobby Witt Jr. of the world is going to be up here in Kansas City, and we'll have the pieces around them to be really good in 2022. That's the big year where next year, if they do not make the World Series, from top down this organization, it's an object failure from everything they've been trying to do. What's that target date for Detroit? Is there even a target date yet in this rebuild? Well, they keep Illich has been very vague. Chris Illich, the owner of the team, has been very vague with, I promise at some point we're going to spend. I'm not going to say when it's going to be, but we're going to. Now, there was a time a couple of years ago where uh, Al Avila, the GM, did, did say after 2020, things are going to be different. Now, this was pre pandemic. I don't buy that excuse personally. Like it's one of the richest teams in the world. And, and I know you didn't sell any hot dogs last year, but you could still hand out a solid contract if you wanted. It, they're very vague with when they're going to spend. I would argue they're already behind schedule because to me, you look at successful rebuilds of the last decade or so when the White Sox hit the reset button, it was post 2016, 17, 18, 19. They weren't that good. Showed some promise in 2019. Very good season a year ago. Fell apart a little bit near the end and they're going to be great this season. The, the, the Astros stumbled for a while, hit the rebuild button. 13, 12, 13, 14, bad 15. They're in the postseason. The Cubs with Theo Epstein there was, you know, they, they, they stunk in 2012 through 2014, went out and spent, got John Lester, you know, brought in some, some key pieces there. And of course they had that incredible farm system 2015. They're in the postseason. I would make the argument that this is the year they should be at least competitive. I don't really see it. If they are, then I'll say, Hey, you know what? They took steps forward, but I think collectively the fan base well has been pretty darn patient through this whole thing. And I, I've probably been less patient than most. Cause like I said, I think three years of, or four years really of, of being awful is long enough. They were bad 2017 through 2020, but I, I think that next year, everyone is looking at that shortstop free agent class. The Tigers We'll probably have a shortstop this year in Willie Castro, who it seems like he's going to be a good bat, but there's a lot of questions about his fielding and has pl- can play, I think, other infield positions as well. You have Correa and you have Lindor, who you know the Mets are looking to lock up long-term. We'll see. You have Baez and Story and Seager. I think as a fan base, everyone says, all right, that you got to hone in on one of those guys. If you don't take one of those guys, I think collectively there may be a generation of Tigers fans who – I mean, those. I'm talking about the fringe fans, not people like me, who kind of turn their back on this thing and say, "Where are we going with this?" Because we we've waited for you guys to look to to turn this thing around. You've had your good drafts. You've had your you've got your Torkelsons and your Greens. You got to do something with them. I, I think if it's not next off season, I, then I don't know if it'll ever happen with this ownership group. Because I, I I do think there's talent here. I do think the pieces are there within the farm system. It will all come down to. Oh, oh, ownership and management's uh, willingness to spend money and they're yet to really flex their muscles. We're going to, we're going to find out, but I believe that next off season will kind of be the, the deadline for a lot of fans. So we know that it's not expected to be a good year wins and losses wise, but as we get past the April service time day, blah, 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 
we have the minor league season starting up. We get to the midway point of that season. What Tiger prospects are on the cusp of coming up? The way that Bobby Witt Jr. is right now, where Rose fans are so excited about Bobby Witt Jr. Who is that for the Tigers, or how many players are like that for the Tigers, where we're going to see them at the end of the year making those Royals-Tigers July-September matchups really fun? I think it's going to be the pitchers. Uh, I believe that with Mize and Scooball saw major league action a season ago. Um, Scooball substantially better than Casey Mize and Matt Manning. I think will will have probably around ten starts. That's my guess in AAA, and then we'll get called up. Scooball looks like he's going to make the roster uh, on opening day, and he should. He's pitched some very good baseball in spring. I think we're going to see all three of those guys this year. Isaac Paredes, who saw a little bit of uh, major league action last year, will either make the opening day roster or get called up at some point early in the year. And then you have Willie Castro as well, who, despite the baseball savant page, supporting the fact that he probably was one of the luckier hitters in baseball last year, has had a very good spring and is is one of those guys that I think the Tigers are pretty high on, believe that they may have a, a diamond in the rough there, a guy they acquired in the Leonis Martin deal. I think we're going to see all of those guys, but as I stated earlier, I think that the basis of the rebuild lies in, in the pitching rotation. And there's, there's some lingering issues with all three of these guys. That is a bit troubling. And it's why I don't blame them. I talked about this on the podcast a few days ago. All three of them seem to have command issues right now. It is surprising, especially for Mize, who was drafted as a guy who people said was so polished and his command was so good. That's, very underwhelming and, and disappointing, but the stuff is there as long as they stay healthy, you know, they should be, be seeing major league action and hopefully pitching some pretty good baseball here pretty soon. Who is that underrated player in Detroit? I think that Whit Merrifield from, from a standpoint of like deep cut, like truly in baseball fans and media, they respect wit, but I think that he deserves more of a platform. Who is that underrated tiger? That's just not getting up the tension, even though they're really good. Well, I mean, I think that Willie Castro is a standout there. Like I said, I acquired in the Leonis Martin deal. Leonis Martin played for the Indians for half a season. But I, I think this is a guy the Tigers are high on. But even beyond that, because you, you brought up Witt Jr. maybe being underappreciated, Riley Green was three picks after Bobby Witt Jr. And I think there's been so much focus on Spencer Torkelson, who went number one overall in the draft last year. I understand it. In my opinion, the ceiling for Riley Green, who's an outfield prospect, is uh, even higher than Spencer Torkelson's because I think that he's a he might be a superior athlete. I think he's improved defensively. There were rumors about, is this a guy who can play an outfield position? Can he play center? Can he be a corner outfielder at the major league level? I think he's going to be, and I think he's going to be a pretty darn good one. Uh, he's one that I think at some point soon, assuming he has a good minor league season could be a top five prospect in all of baseball. He's not, he has not had a great spring hitting wise, but when he hits you, you see all the intangibles are there. Had a, had a ripped a double the other day that I think was 116 off the bat, which is the the hardest hit ball by a tiger since Miguel Cabrera in 2015. I mean, he's a special talent draft out of high school, like Bobby Wood jr. Was I think at some point and prospect rankings are, are strange anyway, a lot of people will view him as maybe the best prospect in this organization. So on that same kind of wavelength on the opposite side, is there a polarizing player? Because for Royals fans, it's Alberto Mondesi. Mm-hmm. You have guys who think he's going to be a superstar. You have fans who think he's going to be a, a terrible player. And there's kind of no middle ground here for fans. You think he's terrible and he has one good month a year and can't do anything else other than that. 
or you think he's a budding star that just needs to put it together and will be that superstar. Is there somebody that the fan base is split on right now in this rebuild for the prospects? In terms of the prospects, I mean, there's a lot of debate about which pitcher is has the highest ceiling and is going to be the best major league pitcher. I, I think in right now, a lot of people are coming around to scooball, and I would say I am too. I brought up Mize earlier, and I think there's a lot of frustration uh, with how he's looked so far in spring. And one guy who's not, he's not a prospect right now, but if we're talking polarizing players in Detroit at, at this time, Victor Reyes is one that that stands out. He is far and away the most polarizing player on Detroit Tigers Twitter. And the reason for that is he was a, a 2018 rule five draft pick. And, you know, most rule five picks don't amount to much. I mean, there's typically there's a reason why they've been in the minors for five years, but the Tigers have been really high on him, and they think that like they got something with him. and he's gotten better each year, but he doesn't hit the ball particularly hard. Doesn't have a ton of power. Isn't some amazing defender, but Tigers really, really like him. And some people say, man, you look at the, the data, this guy, there's so many things about there's not a lot of upside here. And now they've got this other rule five pick Akil Badu, probably another polarizing guy who's had a phenomenal spring. And of course, with the rule five draft, if you keep a guy, somebody's going to be on the, you know, getting the short end of the stick. And some people believe it might be Victor Reyes. And some people are okay with that. Some people are not. I'm, I've gone back and forth with it. I'm, I'm fine with Badu making the team, but Reyes is definitely one that some people believe is, is serviceable. Most people like me believe he's, you know, a, a solid fourth outfielder backup for a team, but there are those people who believe that he could be a, a, piece of the, of the core here. I haven't seen that, but very, very polarizing player. I like it. I like those kind of players where you just, you just never know what they're going to turn out to yeah. be because it, it just creates some content, some uh, energy behind it. Every time he does good, then you have that one subsection of fans that say he's going to be an amazing player. Every time it's bad, the other side comes out. It's just a back and forth affair. So the final predictions for the, the Tigers this year, you have them if you had to just put it down right now. What does this season look like for Detroit? I think that it will be a season that gets off to maybe a rough start, sadly. And I think there will be those people who will lose interest. My hope is that by the end of the season, we start to see those building blocks show up a little bit and and, and come into their own. I remember there was an interview with Theo Epstein when he was talking about his Cubs rebuild and he said, you know what? Everyone was down on us our first several years, but I watched the team in the latter stretch of 2014 and I knew, all right, we got to spend now because I like this core. My hope is that by the end of this season, we say, okay, this is not a good team. This was not a good team, but there's pieces here and they're starting to come into their own. We believe in this core. Now it's time to spend. And, and um, that's, that's my hope. I still, my prediction is 70 and 92 because I do think some of these guys will step up. I, I think guys like Jonathan Scope or Robbie Grossman will be put up the kind of years that we're used to seeing from, from those guys. Robbie Grossman had a nice little season a year ago in, in you know small sample size, obviously, with the, the shortened campaign. But, yeah, that, that's my hope is that by the end, we, we, we start to see the foundation really, really come into their own. And if that happens, you know, I can't call it a successful season, but a, a season that we may look back on and say, the, the, the early inclinations of, of, of a good Tigers team were here. So I know it'll be hard to do for clubs like ours, but record-wise, is it safe to say that if they lose 100 games or, or God forbid, more than 100 games, 
this season will be a step backwards or does it not really matter the loss number? Cause I mean, 92 and hundred is not all that different, but it's, it is just a different saying of we didn't lose a hundred. Right. I, I think it all depends on how good the young guys look. Now I would be, st- if, if the pitchers and Paredes and, and Castro have so, so average, okay years, I'd be surprised if this team were to lose a hundred games. Cause I think you'd have like three or four pretty good players right there. But uh, I, yeah, I think in general, it mainly depends on the, the, the look of those players. But if they, if they lose a hundred games, I think in general, yeah, there will be people myself included who will be, who will be surprised. Cause I do think that in, in terms of upside, this is, it, it is a better team than last year's team. Not much better, not, not a whole lot better, but I think last year's team was on par for about 98 losses uh, in the 60 game season. And I think this team will be a little bit better than that. And if they aren't, then yeah, there, there will be a lot of people who are frustrated. Chris, this has been fun. I love your content with Michigan. Even though I'm not a Michigan fan, I love the Detroit stuff. We'll be we'll be reconvening throughout the season as these two teams will meet up 19 times. Let them know where they can find all of your work on Twitter and the podcast and all that you do. Appreciate it, man. You can find me on Twitter at Castellani2014. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Tigers. There you'll find the links to everything, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify. Uh, rate us, review us on Apple Podcasts, leave that five-star review. It'd be much appreciated. And uh, thank you very much for having me, dude. Thanks for joining. Good luck this season to your Tigers. Hopefully they can make that, that step forward.